Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. And the other day, I was looking around and I saw uh, my fabric used uh, on the cover in a project on one of the Martingale books. It was uh, called the Table Runner Roundup book. And I thought, oh, my goodness, who who made this gorgeous project? And it was Jude Spiro of Little Louise Design. So I thought, oh, my gosh, let's go. We need to chat. So, Jude, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Pat. That was such a su- fun surprise to see that you used my fabric. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It was perfect for, for what Martingale had in mind, and uh, we made the front cover, so that was awesome. Yeah, that is. That is so cool. Um, you know, Jude, I don't know much about your background. Do you come from a family of quilt makers? Uh, well, yes. Um, well, I was raised by my grandmother, and she actually worked in the textile industry, so oh. I kind of grew up in a mountain of fabric, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she did make quilts, but not really in the style that we do today of you know, intricate patchwork. She really did simpler things, and uh, she would just cut out squares and sew them together, and a lot of the fabric she used was pre-quilted. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going back in the, the 60s now where there was yeah. Gloria Vanderbilt and the Charles Bloomcraft, the big giant flower prints, and she called them her flower gardens. <laughs> oh. oh, that is so – was this in New England? Did she work in the mills in New England? Uh, no, actually in Manhattan. She worked down oh. on Canal Street, yes. Okay. So, yes, I grew up in New York City. Wow. I, yes, That's and a... now we, we live up in the Adirondack Mountains. Gorgeous. I bet it's beautiful up there. It is, and we're getting ready to just go right into autumn, so the trees are changing, and it's very pretty. (laughs) So, Louise, tell me, how did you end up in the business of designing fabrics? I know that you did multiple things. I mean, that's designing um, patterns. You've done, like, a whole series of things. Yes, I have. Well, I I really started off um, just, you know, in my, my younger days, to working on crafts and things and just kind of designing things on my own. Patterns weren't really that readily available, so I just kind of Mm -hmm. winged it. And uh, (laughs) I just started uh, just creating my own things and doing craft shows and making wall hangings and Adirondacky kind of stuff, which went really well up here. And Mm -hmm. that gave me an opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom for my boys. And uh, so while they were in school, I'd be sewing uh, so, yeah, and you yeah. told me that at one point you started teaching, and then you got a long arm. I mean, you must yeah. have had that long arm really early, like before people really bought those. Yeah, I was really well. There was one other person in my area here who <laughs> was the the queen of long arm quilting, and yeah. uh, they came out with uh, handy quilters, and I had mm. purchased one of those originally, and. Uh, that uh, from there I, I, I went up to a regular long arm. But I was teaching uh, quilting classes here in my home and in local quilt shops. And I also did some adult continuing education. And uh, the, the quilt classes just kind of got so busy here at the house. And I said, well, you know, why not move this out into 
to a shop because I was I had built in customers for my long arm business, so I knew I was ready for that next step. So mm-hmm. then, of course, being in a, a fabric shop and having all these new lines of fabric coming in, I had to figure out something to do to sell this fabric. So I started designing <laughs> <laughs> designing right. patterns with what I got because I couldn't afford to buy the whole line. And, of mm-hmm. course, they come with a pattern, a leaflet, and say, well, I don't have an eighth of a yard of 40 different fabrics to put into this quilt. So the, my patterns were really taking off, and people were just loving what I was doing, and that's pretty much how Little Louise Designs was born. And ah. uh, I just took it from there, and uh, we had so a nice, of, cozy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say. So one of the things that you became sort of um, is sort of known for is working with the pre-cuts. Um, you obviously didn't start that way when you first had the shop, uh, and you don't have the shop now, by the way. Uh, so, well, I, but, I do have an online shop, and I oh, have an online, website. Yeah. Yes, I sell on Etsy, and I have my yeah. website, and yeah. uh, so that's going but, very well. And uh, I sell my patterns through, you know, some of the major distributors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, tell me a little bit about how you decided that. You that pre-cuts were interesting to you, like as somebody, like when you saw them, you were like, it got your creativity going. Why was that? Well, I, I did carry some of those in, in my shop, and at that time, pre-cuts were really kind of new on the market, and there was a lot of sticker shock involved with that. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, after I closed, I said, well, you know, I've got some of these pre-cuts, so I just decided to open one up and just go ahead and see what I could do with it. And uh, as uh, I had mentioned, uh, you know, in my little write-up I did for you, uh, Effigene Walk was my first Jelly Roll quilt. Mm-hmm. And the name of that line was Central Park um, by Kate Spain. So I decided to – I didn't want to name it Central Park because – Right. <laughs> I went on Central Park's uh, interactive website and was looking around for something affiliated with Central Park because I did spend quite a bit of my youth in Central Park growing up Hmm. in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I I came across Effigene's Walk, and I was intrigued. So I Googled that, and I found out um, who she was, and uh, she was a philanthropist who... uh, dedicated uh, her time and life to preserving New York City parks. So wow, I have never heard of her. It's, and it's such an interesting name. It is. And so I thought, well, I definitely have to name this quilt for her because she certainly mm-hmm. deserved that. And <laughs> my sister came up to visit me, and I showed her the quilt, and I asked her if she knew where Effigene's walk was. Mm-hmm. And she did. And yeah. it turns out that Effigene Ox Salzberger, who is the woman that the uh, Effigene Walk was named after, uh, her uh-huh. family owns the New York Times. And oh, well, sister, goodness. Yes. And my sister works for the New York Times. So oh. she actually knew Effigene, and she was there for the dedication in 1987. And, uh, That's crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. It really, it was astonishing. So she took some pictures of the quilt and the story and went back to work. And 
Arthur, uh, her grandson, is the publisher, and mm-hmm. showed him that and told him all about the quilt and how I came up with this. And uh, the whole family went on my Etsy shop and bought the, the pattern. <laughs> so, oh, oh, that is so sweet. Oh, how it sweet. Was. <laughs> it was. It really was. So it was just a small world after all, I guess. But yeah. the Ephigene was my, my first uh, pre-cut quilt that I did. And then I just ventured on with some layer cakes, and just before so, I knew it, I was picked up by Moda and uh, as my first distributor, and they loved my patterns. And of course, they were really big with the pre-cuts in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There, they were the ones. Yes. So They're pretty much, yeah, they pretty much invented invented them. So yeah, you were like early in. So tell yes. me, do you yes. have some tips for people on like? Pick a pre-cut that you think a lot of people may not use or just one that you have a favorite tip for. Well, I I usually do. I, gosh, <laughs> there's just so many things you can do with them. Um, but one of the things that I find um, when you're using a pre-cut in a pattern, you wind up with a lot of leftover pieces. And it's it's expensive to buy a pre-cut. And... So what I try to do is come up with another project with those extra pieces so that you're not wasting anything. And I come up with a lot of little tricks that you can use some of those smaller pieces with. And I've got several patterns that I've done that where I'll clip a little corner off of a flying geese by Mm -hmm. just sewing on a little square on the corner, you know, just a Mm -hmm. sew and flip kind of a thing. And Mm -hmm. you've suddenly changed the whole appearance of a flying geese unit. And I've done uh, one pattern called, um, not spin blossom, sugar blossom, which Mm -hmm. I used that. And you would never guess what the block itself was because it just creates this blossom. But the block looks nothing like what you're actually seeing on the quilt, but that little clip coming off of the corner of that flying geese just gave it mm-hmm. a whole whole different look. You'd never guess. That so. is, you know, it's very clever to be able to have another use for the leftovers because yes. Yes. quilters don't want to get rid of anything, do they, uh, no, Jude? No, they don't. <laughs> uh, another one that I did with um, pretty much a similar technique was my Twisting with the Stars. And mm-hmm. with that one, you draw an extra line across your half-square triangle that you're you're going to be creating, and you get two pieces out of it. So with uh-huh. that other, you sew on both of the lines and cut in between, so then you have an extra half-square triangle unit, so you can make a table runner with that piece. So ah. Adding some of these extra steps, in while you're doing your main sewing, you wind up with some pre-made pieces that you can use and create all kinds of things with. So I, I really try to include those things in my patterns when I can. So that's, that's kind of like... Like the bonus. And, right. So like yeah. let's use these little, little pieces up. Right. So kind of fun. So we Jude, we have about a minute. Tell me what is your most current thing you're doing right now at Little Louise Designs? Well, I am uh, working on a jelly roll pattern. It's called a Banner Day, and I've created a uh, a two-piece triangle out of a strip set with jelly roll. So I've chosen just a bunch of jelly roll strips and uh, sewed two of them together, and then with the triangle ruler. 
I'm flipping that back and forth and uh, adding an extra piece to it to create a block, which looks like two little banners. Oh, super fun. Well, everybody's going to need to keep track of you uh, and see what's going on. You have a newsletter, right, Jude, so they can go to your website? Um, Yes. Yes, well, I, okay. I, I actually don't have a newsletter, but you, you oh. can go on my website and see what's new. Okay. LittleLouiseDesigns.com. Thank you. Thank you. Six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects, but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and I'm delighted to have Amy Johnson back on the show. It's been a couple of years. Amy is a master at ruler work for free motion quilting. She's also a shop owner and a designer, and she's one of the design team for our Splendid Sampler 2 book. So, Amy, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me again, Pat. So give me the just the brief again. How did you go from, you know, like you were just writing about quilting to a teacher to owning a shop? You own a shop in Lynchburg, Virginia now. That's right. Uh, it has been a crazy uh, journey. <laughs> so I started off as a not even a quilting blogger. I was just sharing what I was quilting uh-huh. and became a quilting blogger. I started experimenting with free motion quilting with rulers when no one else was doing that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we had a local Janome dealer who was getting on up in age. And somebody said, you know, maybe you could actually make a, a full-time business if you could buy that sewing machine shop, which is so ah. simple. And mm-hmm. we bought that. Um, the elderly owner is just a Dear, dear man, he was 89 when we bought it. My Ah. husband's always been very mechanical, and Mm -hmm. he just developed right into that role of doing our uh, machine service and repair, which is what that business did a lot of. Mm -hmm. And it just Mm -hmm. really shoehorned in very well with my crafty classes, and we started an online shop, and it's just kind of developed into this kind of whole uh, basket of things that keeps us busy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And you are. You are massively busy. You know what I love, Amy, is that you're always coming up with a new way to sort of connect with the with with quilters. Um, you know, like let's talk a little bit about 
the the sort of teaching role? Because do you, do you feel like you were born to teach? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I describe myself as an introvert introvert. Oh. <laughs> but when it comes to quilting, there's just something that flips a switch in my mind, and I could talk about quilting all the time. And as a business owner, I could talk about social media all the time because in this new world we're in, those two things have to be integrated. And because I do have small kids, although they're getting bigger every day, it seems like, mm-hmm. I can't travel like a lot of teachers, mm-hmm. but through the Internet I can go all over the place. And it's really, really awesome. I've been dabbling with uh, Facebook live videos, and it's really neat to see someone from Lynchburg pop in and someone (laughs) from Australia pop in. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's just amazing. That is the the coolest part, that your community can be worldwide um, and people can find you. So uh, tell me what your Facebook live um, sort of teaching things are that you're doing. Okay, well, I have been doing, I call them my marathon live Facebook video nights, Wednesday (laughs) nights. So our business has pretty much two separate facets of it. Mm -hmm. There's the local business, which is known as So Simple because it was a a, a pillar of the sewing community here in Lynchburg. And Mm -hmm. then my online business, which we just recently changed the name of to amyquilts.com because I can be really long-winded and a lot of those names we were using were just too long. (laughs) And so we've kind of struggled to pull those two things together Mm-hmm. So now I do three, typically three Facebook videos, live videos on Wednesday nights, one to our local shop for So Simple, mm-hmm. one to my blog, which is Amy's Quilting Adventures, and then one for this little private group that I'm doing, and it's growing every day. Basically, anybody who's not a spammer can get in as long as they answer questions, <laughs> and it's called Amy's So Simple Adventures. Ah, and so, so we're building on that with, uh, I'm dabbling with a quilt along, and we just started that mm-hmm. last week, and it's very informal, mm-hmm. and I'm quilt- I do a lot of quilting online live already, but this mm-hmm. time we're actually, we're using fabric from the store uh, that I brought in special for this project, and selling that online and in the shop, and so everybody can do the same project I'm doing. Uh, that is that is always so much fun because you have the added benefit of being able to really show them how they can finish their own quilts, um, which I think is pretty powerful. People want to know that, don't they? Yes, they do. They do. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And I like to, it, it's amazing, I do this running commentary and I can sit there and go, well, I want to put this shape in here. And yeah. because I think a lot of times in other teaching formats, we lose that process, that thought process of, Mm -hmm. okay, so she's putting this feather in here, but why? Right, right. So you're sort of explaining to them how you're thinking through what the design will be, and then you do it. Yep. And if I make a mistake, well, then I go into how I fix that mistake. (laughs) Right. Uh, I had a very (laughs) crazy night one night when I was doing – machine embroidery, uh, and this is for our So Simple page, and the machine ate my embroidery. I was oh. so busy talking, I didn't uh, <laughs> secure it properly, and so the machine had a big uh-oh, and I had to show yeah. people how to fix it, and yeah. so I'm okay with that. Right. Oh, I'm sure they love it. I would like to see how you fix things. I mean, that's <laughs> because I mean, we all have stuff that happens, and 
you know, you just sort of hold it up going, ah, what now? You know, what yep. do we do? Yeah. So because you do a lot, I love watching your free motion. I have caught it a few times. I love watching you quilt. It is, you get really down there close. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have like a camera like what, like on your hand or something? It's like... <laughs> My husband used to call it the booby cam, oh. uh, but it was never attached that way. Oh. Uh, and uh, we started off with just some kind of homemade flexible arm mount. And now I actually have a big, it's called a boom. It's a light boom, but we put the camera on and it hangs mm-hmm. off the wall and hangs over in front of my machine. And uh, it's a little bit more flexible so I can move it around if I'm working on an embroidery machine or if I'm doing it my uh, regular quilting machine, you mm-hmm. know. And now that I'm a little more comfortable with doing live videos ever since doing my crafty classes, you know, I can mm-hmm. flip the camera around and actually, you know, people can see my face. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started doing YouTube videos, you never saw my face. All you saw oh. were my hands. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, kind so- of, it's morphed. Yeah, you're more sophisticated now. You can see all of you. Oh, I'm just... never sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So tell me a, a few things here. So this gives us some people some tips. One of the things is when people, a lot of people are just afraid to free motion quilt. Like if they've never tried it, they're like, they're going to hurt their things or whatever. What do you, what do you tell people? Well, that fear is probably the biggest thing that's holding them back. And so when you're trying something new, you have to allow yourself to be a beginner. So you don't want to start free motion quilting for the first time on that quilt that has to be done next week or, God forbid, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to start with projects that you're not afraid to mess up. Uh, on my website, I have a, a an article that's called Tips, and it's tips on making your free motion look better when it's not perfect. You know, because sometimes we want to get those things done. Yeah, but at the right. same time, I want you to practice on things that you don't mind turning into a hot pad and getting spaghetti sauce all over <laughs> or a, a cushion for the dog bed because mm-hmm. practice is what makes it better. Yep. So, so what is one tip? What is one secret Amy tip to make it look better? Ah. <sighs> Well, you've got to really listen to your machine and find that sweet spot between your hands and the speed of the machine so that you can get things looking nice and smooth. Mm -hmm. If you're too tense and you go too slow, things are going to be really choppy. If Mm -hmm. you get all nervous and you speed up, things are going to look all wild and out of control. (laughs) So you have to really listen to your machine, listen to your body, relax, Mm -hmm. and find that sweet spot. And I also find, too, people just need to practice more than they do. They, you know, leave like months and months in between, and then it's like they're starting over again unless they've already built a strong skill set. That's definitely true. I even notice for myself, you know, sometimes in the shop, mm-hmm. we're so busy and I don't get as much time to actually create and quilt myself. And I can get a little rusty and I have to take a few minutes to just kind of practice and get back in the groove. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. another wonderful thing we can do is most of us have smartphones these days. We can use a free drawing app and doodle with our finger. And that goes from the hand to the brain and really makes a big difference. Mm. That's good. I hadn't even thought about doing that. I've told people to do it on paper, but yeah, an app uh, on your pad or your phone. That's awesome. Yep. So and you're not I, wasting I, any paper. No, that is super awesome. I love that. That is a great tip. So, Amy, 
you also, because you have machines, I thought it would be good to ask you a question that I know a lot of people, you know, everybody has to deal with this. It's like oiling the machines. I know your husband is the machine guy, but I also know you know a lot about it. You two as a partnership with your business. Uh, what, what do you tell people about oiling their machines? Okay, so there is a misnomer, a fallacy out there that these modern machines don't need to be oiled, and that is absolutely not true. It's like any other mechanical system. It needs to have oil. There are gears that need to be greased, but the the, the concept is now that you take your machine to your service person and you have them do it. So if you're doing an old vintage machine and you know you can get right into those parts, that's wonderful. But when we're talking about modern machines with circuit boards and electronics, you don't want to open those things up and void your warranty. You take it into your service person and they take care of it, but they absolutely need oiling uh, and they need cleaning. It's amazing what kind of gunk is created Mm -hmm. from the lint from our sewing and the oil in the machines. That can really mess up your machines, throw off your timing. I've Mm -hmm. seen machines be that are just locked up because oh. they've had too much lint and gunk work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably threads get down in there and get around oh, yeah. the gears. Yeah, sequins. We always know yeah. we're working on someone oh. who makes someone who <laughs> makes uh, costumes. When my husband comes out of his workshop and he sparkles. Oh, <laughs> it's got sequins from out of sequins the machine. Sequins and glitter. Oh, that is so funny. Oh, my goodness. Um, so tell me where your shop is. Again, tell everybody where your shop is. Okay. So we're shop. on Wards Road in Lynchburg, Virginia. So we're kind of right in the center of the state. We've got a lot of historical uh, things that are, you know, in that area. We've got Patrick Henry's Red House, which is, it's a little drive from Lynchburg. We've got uh, Thomas Jefferson's Vacation Home of Poplar Forest is right there. Uh, 460 and US 29 go right through it. And it's, it's a little shop, uh, but I enjoy it very much. Yeah, and I hope to be stopping in there. Well, we'll be stopping in there uh, next month when yeah. I'm coming down to the local guild. So I will pop in and take some photos with you. That's going to be fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now, once again, tell people where you are online because we're almost okay. out of time. So the best way to find us, the simple and shortest, is amyquilts.com. And there are links right there to get to my blog, to get to the Facebook pages, to get to the actual site for the bricks and mortar shop, which you can also find by SoSimpleOfLynchburg.com. Okay. Perfect, perfect. You can see Amy's other half. He's there in the ruler section of her site. Oh, Uh, yes. He's a good sport. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you might find him in the shop when you visit, too. Yep. So, Amy, this is so much fun, and thank you again for being here, and thank you for being part of our Splendid Sampler project because your block will be coming up down the road. That's right. Thanks for having me, Pat. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. We're going to take a break. Be right back. I'm Jody Sanders, Group Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. 
For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash million pillowcase. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and I am a huge fan of Amber Johnson's quilting and the projects she does and what she shares at Gigi's Thimble. It's been a little while since Amber's been on the show, and so I thought we just need to catch up and see what's going on. So, Amber, (laughs) thank you for being here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I was thinking it had been a couple years. Yes, it's been quite a few. Like, I, you know, we just say you've been doing a lot of good stuff. We need to figure out what's going on. Uh, So, you know, one of the things that that I saw recently where just got that you were writing about was a road trip that you did. And I thought, oh, you know, we need to we need to talk again. Do you notice that quilt? Do you, you see that quilters just love road trips to go out with other quilters? Yes, yes, it's the best. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's sort of like like a rite of passage or something like every quilter needs to have a quilting road trip because you know, we don't have enough stuff at home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the first one I've ever been on though. Honestly. Oh, Oh, so who, so what did you do? You had a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. It was a blast. It was, it was the perfect road trip, quilting road trip for me because we went to Waco, Texas to the Magnolia store. And I like my with? second hobby is home decorating and stuff so it was fun to go there and who were you going with um we just went with down under diversions and it was we took a big tour bus and there was oh, okay gosh i don't know i want to say about 50 people okay and oh, so i, I knew a few of them but mm-hmm. yeah it was so fun we so, um oh what was that I was going to say, when you went to Magnolia, I mean, I know they don't have fabric, but did you, like, hunt for fabric anyways, like in any store? <laughs> That's um, what I do. <laughs> we weren't there very long. We really just uh, got there one night and were able to stop in the store really quick and then go out to dinner. And mm-hmm. we had a big um, presentation at dinner with Hobbs batting. Oh. And so that was fun. And then the next morning we went back to the Magnolia store and – hit up the bakery and I think we stopped in at a antique store that was mm-hmm. close by, but we didn't really have time to go scour the town for a fabric store, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I know how that goes. So sometimes you have to stay on the schedule of these yeah. kind of trips. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely had like a strict itinerary that we stuck to. So, mm-hmm. 
So if you do you have a tip for like now that you've done that one, if you were going to do something like that again, do you have something you're like, oh, this is what I do to be more prepared or take this with me? <laughs> Definitely. Um, bring an extra suitcase or just have, have, leave room in your suitcase to bring home some goodies. Um, ma- uh, let's see, at Missouri Star Quilt Company, which mm-hmm. was our last stop, um, they, we were there for a few days, and luckily they ship for free if you spend over, like, X amount, like $100, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that helped save some space in my suitcase. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, you, you had a lot of stores to check out at Missouri Star since they were yes. spread out along the whole street. How fun, how fun. Yes, it was awesome. Well, let's change gears because one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that you're very – I always feel like you're very efficient with your time and and your space and how you present things. I know that's like that's what you write about, but I I think you do have some great – tips because not only for people who are just, you know, hobby quilters, quilt for themselves, but people who quilt in business, it can be overwhelming with all the things we want to do and things we have. You know, how do you handle keeping track of your projects? Oh, keeping track. Um, you know, I try not to have too many or I, you know, if you have too many, you can kind of just, you forget about certain projects. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> I, I used to have like 13 or 15 projects going mm-hmm. at once, mm-hmm. and now I probably have maybe about five mm-hmm. total, but I, I try to keep them in clear boxes so I can see exactly what's in each box and, you know, keep them where I can see them so they're not buried under, you know, and forgotten, so... <laughs> yeah, forgotten, forgotten projects are the worst. All of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness... <laughs> Yeah, then you're kind of over it by the time you find it again, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you sew yeah. every day? Do you try to keep up that way? Um, I, I, most days I do, but not every day. Like, mm-hmm. the weekends I don't really sew, and, and some weeks are just busy with personal stuff, so, mm-hmm. so not every day, but I do try to keep my space really clean, and I do have a designated sewing room so that when I get in there, I can be efficient and and get things done quickly. I think designated spaces are super important, Amber. Um, people sort of underestimate that, I think. They think, oh, well, I'll just pull it out. But it's, but it takes a lot of energy, doesn't it, to say, okay, i got to go pull this out and pull that out and get this from under the couch and, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it does take a lot of energy and time and um Sometimes it's just not worth the hassle, right? So mm-hmm. if you can have a, a space to keep your sewing machine up and and go pop in there and do 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there, it really does add up to a lot of time. Well, even like how about setting your own deadlines? Because if you're doing something for work, that's one kind of deadline. But do you set deadlines for like personal type of projects too to keep on track? Um. I, I kind of do. I find myself, especially if I'm kind of feeling like a project's tedious and I'm getting bored with it, I will mm-hmm. try to set goals. Like I'm going to finish this, you know, two rows every day or five blocks or something that I just think's doable just so I can kind of get it, get it going, get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's good because it, projects, you do become bored with them. Or or like you said, I think the tedious part, sometimes you really want that end result, but maybe your energy level isn't there when you're working on it. So yeah. another day would be better. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm constantly telling myself a little progress every day adds up to big results. That's always in the back of my mind. So I think just just do a little bit every day and it will get done. And then another thing that I think helps me stay motivated is when I'm posting pictures on Instagram and sharing my projects, you know, you just get such support and positive feedback from everyone. It kind of helps you want to keep plugging away at it. Mm-hmm. So. Do you follow a lot of people on Instagram? Do you sort of use it to sort of decompress, like to just scroll around? Yeah, I do. I I do follow a lot of quilters, and I follow a lot of home decor accounts. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's my little decompression time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love home decor. Also, it's like I don't very. I don't always get do it, but I like to look at it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me too. Exactly. <laughs> it, like, okay. it takes a lot of time and money, huh? <laughs> right. If I had the perfect front porch for fall, what would it look like? You'd go out and find like 800 options, right? They all, I know. all look <laughs> darling. So, yeah. so when you're, when you're designing patterns, cause you're a pattern designer as well as you're writing and doing projects for companies, um, you know, do you have fun with the names, you know, that you're for your projects? I do. I do. You know, a lot of times I'll I'll text friends or my sisters and just say, "Hey, what do you what do you think of this quill? What does it remind you of?" and I'll get, you know, get their feedback and usually kind of go from there. So, have you ever had any that kind of got wacky, like the name got a little like either became funny or something? <laughs> I do. I do have a couple um names that maybe I shouldn't have picked. Um, <laughs> like, like for instance, I, like several years ago, I did a baby quilt that had a giant bowling pin and a bowling ball applique on the front, and I called it Strikeout. Well, a few months after I published the pattern, my husband informed me that strikeout is a baseball term yeah. and not a bowling term. <laughs> I was like, why didn't you tell me sooner? So, <laughs> kind of embarrassing, but oh. it was too well, late. you know, they, they have strikes in bowling, I think. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, you, three, yeah, when all the pins go down, right? That's a right, strike. I think so. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought I was onto something, but I'm... Sometimes I'm just a little off. <laughs> so. yeah. Oh, my. Well, you know, I can understand that because when it comes to sports stuff, it's like, uh, you know, I'm yeah. not as good on all the terminology. Uh, me uh, neither. <laughs> so the, the, some of the other things you do is you do some collaborations. You've done some fun sew-alongs. What has been one that you really enjoyed that you hosted on your site? Well, um, probably the most popular one I've done was with Amanda Niederhauser, and she goes by Jedi Craft Girl, and it was our five Fat Quarter Fun series. Ah. I think it ended last year, I think. Mm -hmm. So, and it was um, like a 12-month series. Each month, we came out with a new pattern that used five fat quarters and sometimes a little extra yardage, Mm -hmm. and they were usually just pretty quick, fun patterns that you could make with five fat quarters. 
and we took turns designing them. Mm. And we'd just post them on our blogs, and then we'd each make a version of that pattern, and um, it was really fun. And then we had a contest at the end to, to see um, what other people could come up with using five-pack quarters. So it was really fun. That that's a real. I've never done anything where I tried to figure out how to use just five fat quarters. You guys did a great job. Both of you oh. came up with amazing. I'm like, I want to make that. You oh, know? thank you. There's some fun patterns on there, and it actually was kind of a challenge each month to come up. Mm-hmm. You know, to use five fat quarters um, effectively, and mm-hmm. to use different techniques and. Um, I don't know. It really pushed myself. And it kept us hopping, too, because every month we were, yeah. <laughs> you know, making the new That's pattern, commitment. writing up the instructions. Right. So <laughs> so when did you get – I'm, I'm thinking, like, from a design standpoint, did you pick the bundle, like, purposely so you knew, like, they would have, like, something that was tonal, you know, so that you weren't giving, like, five, like, big, bold prints to yourself? Um, we, well, we kind of tried to plan ahead and, um, we did like a Christmas in July pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we'd think about the, the season coming up and we'd plan accordingly or we try to do a few different, like she would do a bright version and I would do, you know, a toned down version. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a bit helpful because sometimes if you have five facts, I mean, a lot of times people on my internet group will show like a group of fabric. What can I make with this? You know, so I'll send oh. them over to your website. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Amber has some patterns. It's like, <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Thank Just you. Just go look. Cute, <laughs> cute things. So, Amber, this has been fun. Thank you for coming yeah. on and uh, catching us up with everything. Oh, thanks for having me. It was fun to chat with you. And so you have to plan another road trip, you know, because one's oh, not enough. It, it's not. Yeah, I'm dying to go on another one. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks so much, Pat, for having me today. You're welcome. Everybody visit Amanda at ggsthimble.com. And we are going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast.
welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. And just an FYI, it's Amber Johnson at Gigi's Thimble, just in case I miss my letters around there. So I'm very excited for my last guest today because I have not um, spoken to Breen Campbell before. So this is the first time she writes out at Happy So Lucky. And she does a lot of community work. And I just thought that some of her projects are pretty amazing. And I'd love to hear more about them. So Breen, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Pat. It's lovely to meet you. Yes, you too. <laughs> and we have we have a mutual friend. That's how I found your things with Krista Hennebury. So we do. I'm, She's yes. a sweetheart. Yeah, and you told me you had breakfast. Did you, did you say you had breakfast or lunch or something with her the other day? Well, we just live a few blocks down the road from each other, so we see oh. each other often. <laughs> oh, all the time, all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. So one Lucky of the me. things... That you do uh, a lot of. You do. You're a designer. You have amazing patterns. Uh, you're. Thank you. Ha- you have a a beautiful writing. I love reading your writing. You know, so I love how you write. Uh, and, but you, what really drew me was the the things that you're doing, the kind of community work. And do you, I mean? I find that quilters seem to be have this like universal need to help others. Do you do you find that? Oh, I definitely do. It's my favorite part of the quilting community. I mean, I think all human beings love to be a part of something that's good. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's something in the culture of quilters that just makes it sort of part of the protocol, I think, which is awesome. It, they always want to jump in and yep. and do something. And you actually do jump in and do things, which is uh, I'm very grateful. I, I don't know you that well, you know, but I'm just grateful <laughs> for what you do because somebody has to be in charge of things. You know, lots well, of people want to help, but somebody has to sort of put it together, and you've done a lot of that. Well, thank you. You know, um, I, I'm not a, if I wouldn't describe myself as an organized person by nature, I think probably <laughs> anyone that knows me would agree I'm a little chaotic, but I think I'm an ideas person, and I think that um, often when there is a good reason to do something, you know, something happens in, in the news or whatever and, and we want to do something, people want to contribute or do something about the problem, but they don't know what to do. So the first start is an idea, and I think that's, that's probably where my strength is, is, is the ideas part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then I usually get help with the organizational part because that's <laughs> not always my strength. But, you know, it's um, they are an incredibly rewarding thing to do um, to the person that's organizing them, to the people receiving it, um, mm. and everyone involved, really. And, and I, I think it's a great community. The quilting community is a great one to do them in because, as you said, people are ready and willing to jump in, which is fantastic. I also find that, you know, you don't have to have all the skills because as long as you can delegate and you can find exactly. people who have, have <laughs> those strengths, those people are willing to help. They just might not be the idea person or might not be the follow-up person, but you give them something and they're like, yes, I could do this task. Here's A, B, yes. C. I, I got it. So, uh, And I, I also I think we don't always think that we're capable of, of doing one of these projects. But it, it actually, you'd be surprised. You just have to start the ball rolling. And, you know, within this community, the ball just rolls. It's fantastic. You know, it's, uh, uh, I think, you know, we, we, we cut ourselves short. We think we don't have the skills. 
um, that we do, we all have it in us. Mm-hmm. As long as you focus on the cause and, and why mm-hmm. you're doing what you're doing, there's something inside you that just fires fires up the engine and then it goes. <laughs> and then it goes. <laughs> That's yeah. a good way of saying it. Fires up the engine and it goes. Uh, yeah. So tell me, tell me about one of the projects. I think why don't we? Why don't you tell me about your quotes for refugees? Was that one of the first ones that you sort of launched? Uh, well, I've done some small uh, collaborative quilts just within my family or in my neighborhood before. But my mm-hmm. first big project was the To Boston With Love project, uh, which was in response to the Boston bombing. And that okay. one was making peace and love flags for the MFA. But mm-hmm. uh, the quilts for refugees um, was uh, a different one to that in that it was making physical quilts as opposed to, you know, smaller items like the peace and love flags. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened because we moved to Toronto. I didn't know anyone there, and I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself. And then watching the news <laughs> one day, I was watching thousands of refugees were coming into Canada at the time. I live in Canada. And mm-hmm. um, I just watched them coming from this incredibly traumatic uh, situation, and they came with nothing. And it very quickly put my self-pity into perspective. <laughs> so I decided to do something about that. So I rented a church hall um, and I invited quilters um, from the guild that I had just joined um, and sort of in the community around the Toronto area to come and make quilts or for people to send them by mail. I've got, I, I got some from the States, some from across oh, Canada. Wow. Um, yeah. We sewed like crazy for a day and ended up donating a whole bunch of quilts to some refugee organizations in Toronto, um, and it was it was brilliant. Like I, I got to actually hand the quilts to the recipients, which you don't oh. normally do. You know, when you yeah. when you make a charity quilt, you often never see where it goes, mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. very rewarding. You know what I just love that you said though in the very beginning of this is that you didn't really know very many people there. You had just moved to the area, but you had this idea, and then you rented a church hall, and then you invited everybody to come. Like, yeah, and you know what? You end up making friends. <laughs> yes. I'm like thinking, you know, so many people, Bereen, would be like, oh, well, I don't know anybody. I can't do this. You know, like, you know, I'm shy. But like you said, you put your passion in. You put the, that yeah. you're going to help other people or make their lives feel better for a bit. Um, yeah, I think there is that. You know, I, I would say I would describe myself as a shy person, even though I can be a little bit um, – uh, like I have an edge to me for sure, but I think I am a shy person. I'm not a very social person. But I think when you feel very strongly about something, um, it gives you the drive that you need to make it happen. And that's, you just have mm-hmm. to stay focused on the cause. You know, what, is, what am I doing this for? Why, why am I here? And then you forget about your phobias or your insecurities uh, or your, you know, oh, I can't do that or how am I going to do that? All of a sudden, it, it all just comes into place. And when you're very positive about things and people look at you and they see this thing that's happening and it's positive, they want to be involved. And so then you'll find you get a lot of help, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, that, you know, getting the help is, I think, one of the parts that's, maybe intimidating to people they're like well how am I going to get enough help you know like how am I going to get volunteers um did you ever you feel like that <laughs> yes I did um but you know I, I have to say I found that and you know unfortunately every time I've done one of these um projects it's been because something horrible is happening mm. um 
And so that's the, that's the sad part of it. But the positive side of it is, is I know that I'm not the only one feeling lousy about what's happening or being angry about the situation that's happening or sad. So you know that there are other people out there that want to do something. They just don't know what to do. So if you approach them with a plan, um, they, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people will want to be involved. And um, so it's different to just asking someone to help you with something for yourself. I think they know mm-hmm. that you're doing it voluntarily for, the, mm-hmm. for a bigger cause and they want to get involved. So when you do a larger project like that, and like you said, you're sort of like the big idea person, so you get like this, you 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 latch on and you find like the scheduler who's volunteered. Like you're the scheduler, good, you know, <laughs> <laughs> good. This is your job. Um, is there some sort of tip for like, is there a good size team? Like, is like five people, you know, a good size, or you get over that and it starts to get a little discombobulated? Do you have anything like that? Um, I have advise. a few tips. Um, so I would say uh, the first thing would be to focus on the, cord, the cause, to see mm-hmm. what is the need here, you know, what is the goal I'm trying to achieve. So, for example, with Corps for Refugees, these were people that physically needed bedding versus, mm-hmm. say, with Boston or the Toronto Love Project I did, that was more of a positive emotional boost for the whole city. So you can't make calls mm-hmm. for that. So, you know, so focusing on the cause and what are the needs and then collaborating you know, it can be just with a friend, it can be with your guild, or otherwise to find an organization that has an association with the cause. So, for example, in Toronto, for the Toronto Love Project, I, um, I collaborated with uh, the North York Arts Organization. Um, because I think, you know, it's a lot of work. You will need help. Many, many hands make life work. And many mm-hmm. minds make better solutions. So I don't have a set number of people. I just think you have to find the right people Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, you know, to find a good idea, a creative idea that's fun to participate in is crucial because then people will want to get involved. Um, you need to look at the logistics, you know, the effectiveness of the idea that you're coming up with. So, for example, mm-hmm. let's say that there's um, a, a devastation somewhere like floods or fire and you decide to make hooks for everyone. You have to have a look at how are you going to get those quilts and hand them out and is that really what the need is right now or do you need a longer plan? Um, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to be shipping or installation costs? Do you have to try and figure out all of that stuff? And then, you know, I think for me, as far as getting the idea out there to get people on board, um, I generally will brand my idea. My background is in advertising, mm-hmm. so I know the power of branding. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll come up with a name for the project, a logo, etc. It makes it easier to put out there and for other people to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just social media the heck out of it. Um, you know, you make it easy for people to spread the news uh, and keep the hype going. Because mm-hmm. as I said, people like being a part of something that's good and big. Um, mm-hmm. And if you make it easy for them to share and, and get involved in, um, then that'll happen. And then I think my last tip would be to be grateful. You know, I, I'm gr- grateful to everyone that participate, grateful to organizations or volunteers that help you because I think it makes them feel valued and what they're giving you is very valuable. So that Mm -hmm. would be probably my list of tips. Uh, They're they're amazing tips, uh, Breen. They're just, these are really, really good for people who want to do things. I I appreciate that part. We only have a little bit of time. But I wanted to be able to tell people that you design you design patterns and they're amazing. You have one for a tattoo quilt that you actually have a, 
a, a tab on your website so people can go right to that. Is that in yeah. progress quilt or is it a finished quilt? Uh, right now, the quilt itself is finished. The blocks mm-hmm. are still in progress. I have the last okay. two to write, but that's a series of blocks, um, and it has a look and feel of a vintage tattoo. Uh, foundation paper piecing. Each mm-hmm. has a word that's related to current events in 2017, um, and you can find it online at the hashtag tattoo quilt. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You're doing. I just love the whole concept of it and your artwork. Oh, it's you. it's just. Gorgeous. So happy, so lucky is where you can find Barine, and um, you have a lot of hashtags, like you said, for finding the projects. Yep. <laughs> so people can see what went on if they want to research one of them and just see some of the things that you do. They can use the hashtag to do that. You make it really easy. Yep. It's a it's a good filing a good filing system for your work. I find so that's why I yep. use hashtags. Um, yeah. And I, ha- and I have tutorials on uh, YouTube and videos of the Toronto and the Boston projects there as well. And I, I do um, guild talks and um, teach workshops on foundation paper piecing. Wonderful. So Breed, this, you do. This has been so amazing to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pat. It's been great chatting to you too. This is Pat Sloan for American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. Visit me online at patsloan.com where you can find all the things that I'm doing. Visit my Facebook group at Quilt Along with Pat Sloan. And next week we'll have a new show. all and thanks for listening if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us have a creative week Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.